0: Uh, I want to thank you guys. Um, as, as you know, it's been an interesting uh, couple weeks. So I want to thank you personally for all your prayers, uh, your thoughts. Just so blessed by this church and uh, you guys standing with us during this time. If you don't know, but mom passed away uh, a week ago Thursday. Um, and it's been, been an interesting time. It's been hard. Um, And then on the heels of that, McKenna lost her baby last uh, Wednesday. So it's been doubly, you know. But uh, God is good. I'm standing here today, and I love that. We didn't coordinate that, Joel. But here's what I know. God is good, even in the midst of suffering and difficulty. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, um, would you turn to Romans 5, 3 through 5. Actually, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the Word of God. The Word of God is holy and uh, in His presence. I want to stand this morning. The Scripture says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that brings hope. God, I thank you that you are so good. Even in the midst of suffering, you are good. Lord, I pray that you would come into this place this morning and you'd speak to us. You'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see that, Holy Spirit, you'd fall in this place and you'd restore and you would, you would heal. And you, Lord, I thank you that you forgive. And God, I thank you that we can have this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I am it's, we're in this series called The Holiness of God and talking about uh, what that really looks like and one of the things that we decided to start off. and The basic understanding of what we said is this. Holiness of God refers to the absolute moral purity of God and the absolute moral distance between God and the ones He's created. When the fall of man came in... There's this division that happened, and a pure and perfect holy God was here, and man fallen was on this side. The holiness of God is what we see the difference between the two of us, and holiness literally means to be set apart. To be holy is to be set apart from the world, to be set apart from the stuff everybody does, to be set apart from stuff and on the side of God and who He is. Without the holiness of God, there'd be no moral law to which everyone is being responsible. There'd be no divided, divine anger over sin. Without God's holiness, there'd be no perfect son sent to accept the, our sins, the sacrifice. Without the holiness of God, there would have been no vindication of the resurrection. Without the holiness of God, there'd be no hope. A new heaven, a new earth, a holiness that reigns over us forever. Without the holiness of God, there is no hope. See, we see great displays of God's holiness throughout these scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the holiness of God from from uh, Exodus 5 where God speaks to the burning bush to Exodus 33 where he passes by Moses and, and, and the power of God, he, he hides him in the cleft of the rock because there's, he, God is holy and the glory that's coming forth. In Isaiah we see the prophet who declares, I am not worthy, woe is me. My, he, he just is humbled before this holy God. But the greatest texts Holiness has to do with suffering. And, and holiness and suffering intersect at the cross of Jesus. He, here's what I know. It's funny that, again, funny, it's divine that you sang that song. Here's what I know God is good. God is good. in spite of, besides whatever you're experiencing right now in this place called earth, God is good. Why is this important to know? Because when suffering comes, I have to be able to stand on His goodness. See, all of us will will deal with some sort of suffering in life. There's no way of getting around that. And if I don't understand who God is, If I don't understand that God is other than, that He is holy, that that, that He is sovereign and He holds everything in His hands, and nothing in my life happens without having gone through His hands. If I don't understand that God is, goodness is not what God does, but goodness is who God is. There's no gap between His goodness. I can be good sometimes, and I can be not so good other times. With God, there's no gap there. He is good, period. And when suffering comes, when difficult times come, when sickness comes, when death comes, when, when uh, jobs are lost or whatever it might be, here's what I know that I know that I know that God is good. And it's not directed by circumstances. His goodness is who He is. It's who He is. Why is this principle of suffering and holiness so important? Why is this so important to get a hold of? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because it's where hope rests. It's this, this, this understanding of suffering, God's goodness and who He is, the holiness of God, in the middle of it, right there, rests hope. I, I, I was with my mom as she was dying. And, and, and sitting next to her bed, or laying next to her, or, or talking, and, and, and I, I was thinking to myself, I cannot imagine what this would be like if I didn't have hope, if I was an atheist. And I said, this is it. See, the atheists, atheists believe when you die, it's it. That's it. There's nothing left. And I was sitting there going through my mind, going... I can't, I can't process this. I have nowhere to put this. If this is it, what is this all for? Who cares? What are we really doing? And, and, and quickly it shifted to the hope of Christ Jesus. Jesus said this, I've seen these things, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We're going to have difficulties. There's no way around it. Jesus says, life is hard. You know, it doesn't preach well. It's not so much, you know, it's not as funny as some of the stories. That, that whole hard life message, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't sell books. It's not good for tithing. It's not good for, you know, when you come out here and you just talk about it, it's hard, you go, well, that was real fun. But the reality is that how do we stand up here as, as, as a, a pastors? How do we as congregations, how do we, we, we go about this thing called church and not deal with the reality of life is hard? How do we take the scripture where Jesus clearly says, in this world you will have tribulations, but then he said, and we hear in First Peter, he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Why would I have anxieties in life? Because life is hard. There's a a false gospel that goes forth in America. I've preached it. We've all preached it on some level as a pastor, which is this. Come down here or raise your hand. Let Jesus be your Lord, and everything will be great. Have you ever heard that? Or how about this? This is even better. Maybe we try this one this morning. Hey, I'll tell you what. The offering basket's going around, and I'm telling you what. If you put the right amount, 10% of whatever you have into that offering basket right now. Here's what I'm telling you. God will will multiply it over and over and over again and you'll be blessed beyond wildest dreams. You ever heard that? I'm not telling you that God doesn't do miraculous things when you give because he does. But I'm not selling it. You have to experience God's goodness in your giving. You have to experience who he is. Life is hard. And any time a preacher gets up here and tells you anything different, he's lying to you. See, but the hope that I have is, I don't have to stay here. This isn't forever. This isn't it. The beauty is, I can cast my anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for me. Paul says it this way about life being hard in 2 Timothy. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of a departure has come. He's like, I have been, you know, we go into everything that he's been through. He's just like, I've been through it all, and it's time to get out of this place. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And as I'm sitting in that and laying in that bed next to my mother and I'm thinking about, about this, you know, what the atheist is going through and, and, and how I, I can't even process that and what hope looks like. And I'm thinking about this scripture and I'm thinking, this woman has fought the good fight. Has finished the race. And has kept the faith. It's powerful. And it spoke volumes to me. And, and, and on... Christmas Eve it spoke volumes to my children as their grandmother who was everything in their life you know grandparents like they get to spoil they get to give whatever they want and they give them back so it doesn't really count you know how that works you know so you got to spoil and everything my grandkids each got to look at this woman in, in her eyes and tell her what she meant how she impacted her life and, and, and I was talking to TJ, my son, who, who is in the military and finishing up phase two of, of budge training, which is one of the most difficult things to do, and he had all these tests coming up, these dive tests where they're in the water for three hours, extracting different points and doing this crazy stuff that, that normal people shouldn't do, and, 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 and he said he was getting ready to go into this test, and he was talking to Grammy, and, and, and she looked at him and she said, I'm not afraid, T, I'm not afraid. And, and, he, and, and I, was, I called him before he was going to his tests, And I, I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm not afraid. I, said, I, I watched my grandmother. He didn't say this, but I, I, I know that he watched his grandmother be consistent for his 20 years. And what she said when he was one is the same thing she said when he was 20 fought the good fight. Paul says, life is difficult, but I have fought the good fight. Jesus says, I have overcome the world that in me you may have peace. Look, it's not just doom and gloom. I'm not just want to be up here and just go, oh, life sucks, get out of here and good luck. It's no, 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 no. In the midst of this crazy, in the midst of death, in the midst of pain, in the midst of loss, in the midst of all this stuff, there's hope and it's in Christ Jesus and there's peace. And what I've seen in my family and what I've seen in many of your lives during difficult times is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, which speaks to me and tells me I can do this because of the Jesus that lives in me. It's powerful. And it'll change the world. It'll change the world. Here's the thing. There are only two questions we ask when we suffer. And and kind of do a mental... Uh, uh, accounting in your own life which one do you do you ask there's two questions that we ask when we suffer why or who now the reality is, is most people don't ask the who one but, but usually it's the why one but I, I want to explain to you there's two questions the why why did this happen to me Oh, God, have you ever said, God, why is this going on? Why is this so difficult? Why have I lost my job again? Why have I lost a loved one? Why, why? God, why did this happen? How could this happen? What that does is it pushes us to a place of not being satisfied, of God isn't enough, not trusting who He is. It pushes us into a place of, of, of separation from God as opposed to sitting in His holiness and who He is and trusting Him. The who pushes you to peace. So when difficult times come... I don't look at and say why, I go, who? The why question may never be answered this side of heaven. You may not ever know why. Now, the reality is this. There's, we, we have practical brains and we can figure some things out. You know, I, I, I was talking to a, a friend who, who was talking about they, they lost someone and they don't know why. And I said, well, what happened? And they said, well, uh, he had a drug overdose. And I'm like, okay. It is breaking my heart. I, I can't imagine that pain that you're going through. But I can tell you why. And we could, we could reverse that to uh, how we got to this point and take it all the way back to Genesis 3, the fall of man. But here's the reality. Why, the why question rarely gets answered. Why did I do a funeral 15 years ago for a 3-year-old kid that died? Why did I do a funeral for a a beautiful, vibrant, 22-year-old woman who had just gotten married and died of cancer some 10 years ago? And and if you sit in that why question during difficult times, if you sit in that why question during during hard times, you're you're never going to be satisfied. You'll never have the right answer. Because it's not about why. It's about who. See, the who question was answered at the cross. Jesus. Jesus. So when 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 things are difficult, when things are going south, when it isn't the way you thought it should be, and you don't like the way it is, I don't go, why God? I go, okay, Jesus. Not Jesus, you did this. Jesus, give me your peace. Oh, Jesus, give me the strength. Oh, Jesus, help me walk through this to glorify you. See, where, where suffering and holiness meet, they meet at the cross. The question to ask when you're suffering is never why, and it's always who. Hope, peace, contentment, all come in Christ Jesus who stretched his arm. It happened some, some 2,000 years ago on a hill in Calvary where the Bible says that, that the clouds covered the sky and, the, and nails were driven into his hands and he, he hung on a cross and he bled. And they mocked him and they called out, suffering that I will never understand you. Understand suffering that 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 we will never understand a level of suffering that that is just powerful that that allows us to connect with the creator of heaven and earth because let me tell you this there's only one Jesus only one God that says I know how you feel and can ha- can have experienced what we felt which is Jesus not Muhammad not Joseph Smith not any of the none of these people none of them claim not Buddha. Jesus and Jesus alone. He knows what you're feeling. He understands what we've gone through. And he's hanging on a cross. And at that moment of suffering, holiness falls. You know why? Because he paid the price for your sins and Holiness falls because because my says, I deserve to be on that cross. And God goes, "No, no, 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 I love you too much. And I am perfect and holy and can't have relationship with you unless, unless your sin is dealt with. And he says, I'm not asking you to deal with it. I'm giving my son who will deal with it for you. And holiness falls. And it's a holy moment and a holy place in a holy God, in the midst of the most gruesome crucifixion we've ever seen. You ever thought about that? Let me put some practicality to it. Some more, hopefully. What does it look like? What does it look like? And, and I, I'm, I'll tell you that I asked if I could read this before I'm reading it, so I'm not exposing anything that... Actually, it's on on Instagram, so you can read it there. But uh, this is what my daughter wrote this week when she lost her baby. And she said this, and I'm blown away by this 24-year-old woman. She said this, If we know that we know that we know absolutely anything, it is that God is good. I'm blown away by the song that you sang. And then my message was, all: God is good. He was good when I had a beautiful and healthy son as a teenager out of wedlock. And he is good now that we've lost a baby that was planned within the means of, God's, of a godly and loving marriage. She goes on and says, life doesn't always make sense. But we serve a God of order and perfection who makes no mistakes. Becoming pregnant only to lose a baby was not a test of our faithfulness or a punishment for our sin, but an opportunity to choose to rely on and trust the one who created and adores us. Hope. That's, I don't have any other explanations. She didn't ask why. She said who. Who was Jesus? Who was Jesus? The the church is in great need of holy people who are able to suffer with others in their journey. The church is in need of you and I to walk with others who are suffering. The church needs to stand up and be the arms and the legs and, and, and hold those who are going through difficulty. The church needs the, the, to, to stand up, to help those who don't know Jesus, to bring hope, to bring love, to bring them into the presence of a holy God. That's you. That's me. I'll give you another. What does it look like? It looks like Shirley Blue. It, it just, it, I'm sorry, it's the Blue family show today. I, you, can, you can grab a donut and go if you like. I just I have to. I, I'm sorry, I have to, this woman was the face of this church. I used to tell people, look, I, I don't build the church, Jesus built the church, but right below Jesus is Shirley Blue with toys for kids and donuts for others. <laughs> it's not the preaching, it's her and the way she's loved so many of you and so many of your children. The, this, this woman in the midst of suffering, I got a couple pictures. That's my sister, my dad, and, and Shirley. I don't know if you know, this is Shirley with a couple of the grandkids. Mom and dad got married at, at 18 and 6, 17. It's right around there. They've only known each other. Wednesday would, would have been their 59th wedding anniversary. But there's hope. There, there, there's hope. And, and, and I've never known my mother not to be in pain. For 56 years of my life, she has dealt with pain. But I never once, never once heard her complain. I never once heard her say, God, why me? And you know what I saw? I saw her impact life after life after life after life. Because she she, she just showed up. She showed up and trusted Jesus. Regardless of what she went through, she, you know, she, well, she's dead now, so I can talk about it. Um, She she didn't have a good childhood, loved Grandma Willis, her mom, but not all there. And she ran into this man, Jim, and then ran into this Savior, Jesus, and I'm here today because of this godly woman. And many of your lives have been impacted because of her. See, suffering is, is where holiness comes in. And, 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 and we look at suffering in this world and we go, oh, woe is me. Oh, why me? And I do it too. We all do it. And, and God goes, look, if you'll just lean into me right now. If you'll take whatever you're going through. Look, I didn't cause it. I don't like it. I didn't want it. But let me tell you, brokenness brought it into this world. Not me, God, but brokenness brought it into the world. And if you'll just move into me, into my presence, if you'll just walk with me, if you'll just stand with me, if you'll just press into me, I'll bring peace. I'll bring hope. all bring comfort in your life. And it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life. I don't care if you're going through marital problems. I don't care if you're going through drug problems, addiction problems. Whatever it is, God says that, that holiness comes right in the middle of that suffering because of the cross. It meets us. For 76 some years, 75 years of this woman's life, she did that. The, the church is in need of holy people who are able to suffer with others on journeys. I can't tell you how many stories I, I, I'm getting from people that are like, where she's written things in the Bible and given it to them or those stupid cards, those bookmarks or whatever. She's just, I mean, impacting life. The church needs great people. They need people. God wants you and I. To, to stand with people, to take our hurts that God has redeemed and walk along someone else who doesn't have the hope and bring the hope of Jesus to them. How did she do it for 56-plus years? She abided. She abided. She abided. My earliest memories of my mom, earliest memories, and, I not, well, okay, that would be like, I remember... I, I remember one fight of my parents in my life. I was five years old. That's the only fight I remember where there's yelling. And the, my earliest memories, other than that, that's funny that I remember that, um, was, was her coming into my room every night and singing Onward Christian Soldier, reading the Bible to me. My, my early memories later were this, was her on her face, at five in the morning, I'd get up and go to hockey and, and my dad would take, and I'd walk by the living room, and here's this woman on her face on the couch praying, her Bible open every morning. And I was like, "Whoa, she abided in Jesus. How did she deal with what she was going? How do you deal with whatever you're going through? You abide in Christ. You abide in the vine. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I look at mom and I look at so many of you and I look at great men and women of God and and here's what I know they all have in common. They're abiding in Jesus. Here's what I know that they all have in common. Ah, oh, gosh, they don't ask why. They ask who. Here, here's what I know that they all have in common is Jesus. Is Jesus? Here's what I know that they all have in common. They impact people who don't know Jesus. Here's what I know that they all have in common. People's lives have been changed because of them. That's what I want. That's what God calls us to. And when you abide in the Savior, He uses you. He uses you. You know how she did it? I know it sounds. let say it. The last two years, she would read her word every day. She would pray converse with God throughout the day she Worshiped. dear Lord as a kid I wanted ACD she, she wanted Sandy Patty painful Sandy is won. one she worshipped each and every day each and every day uh, suffering should push you to the Father not away from Him in the midst of suffering is holiness. In the midst of suffering is holiness. God's holiness provides comfort because God is good all the time. All the time. Uh, what we have to remember is this in this world, it seems like so many things are out of control. So many things are out of control. And evil is everywhere and rampant and vile. But remember the holiness of God. What we have to remember is this, that God is in control of everything. What he does is right. What he says is true. What he promises will always deliver, regardless of what you see, feel, and think. God is good, and in the midst of it, even in the midst of my pain, he does not cause it. He does not want it, but he allows it. Be real careful there. He is not the cause. The question is, what's the effect? And we have to preach to ourselves, evil is not in control and justice will not rule. Corruption is not king. Satan will not have a victory. Here's what we know. God is and will always be worthy of your trust for one reason. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. What we know through his Holy Spirit and through the holy power, he will defeat every evil thing, everything that we're dealing with, everything that's going on in our life, all the sadness, all the difficulties. What you can know that you know that you know that you can be assured of is this, that he will deliver us and he will deal with it. Why? Because God is good. God is good. Hope meets suffering at the cross and suffering is defeated Hope meets suffering at the cross, and suffering is defeated. Hope defeats suffering right here. Ultimately, the hope that we sit in is consummated right here in Revelation 21, 1 through 4, as I finish with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven of God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from any mourning or from their eyes. And there will be no longer any death. And there will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That's worth a clap, yes. No more pain. No more suffering. A memory that burns my heart is the last one of the very last conversations I had with, with mom and, and I'll never forget it. My sister was there, my dad and, and Chris was there at that time and she said you can go in and talk to her and, you know, she was going in and out. It was it was hard. And so I went into her room and, and laid next to her. And just started to tell her a little bit about the kids and asked her how how are you <laughs> a stupid question, like we all How uh, how you doing? How you doing? And, and I'll, I'll never forget, she raised her hands and said, to God be the glory. I'm like, Fuck, just. See, holiness sits right at the cross in the midst of this suffering in Jesus. Church, if, if we can just grab a hold of that, we'll change the world will change our families will change our workplaces will change our homes if we can church just grab a hold of this truth we'll never be the same we'll never be the same the church is in great need of holy people who are able to suffer with others on their journeys I'm asking you I'm challenging me. If you're the church, the Bible says that you are the church. If you have a relationship with Jesus, I'm asking you to go on journeys with people who are hurting. I'm asking you to walk beside those who have lost loved ones and let them see the hope of Jesus. I'm asking you to to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus. Let them see him. Let them see him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you uh, for mom. The woman that inspired so many of us. Lord, she loved you. Lord, let us let us. Seer as that example. Or let us be examples to others. God, I thank you that there's, in the, the midst of the suffering, there's, there's a holiness that you call us to, to experience as we set ourselves apart to you. God, it, whatever anyone is going through today, Father, that you might be with him right in the midst of it. i thank you for your faithfulness god i declare that you are good that you are good i say thank you in jesus precious name i pray amen 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 i think we're going to do we've got some questions seth we've been we've been opening up to questions during this series but how do you explain the absolute goodness of God to an unbeliever in light of all the suffering in the world, i.e. a baby or eternal cancer? Well, the first way is, is by your actions. What you, what you do, how you love someone unconditionally through that. This, everything we're talking about here, in the midst of suffering, I don't know how many people would, would turn to my mom and go, How do you do it? How are you doing this? Excruciating pain that you, you walk through and she'd go, Jesus, Jesus. So it it is first and foremost, you and your connectiveness and relationship with Jesus. Now, the, the apologetic side of it says this. When people say, I could never serve a God or believe in a God who would allow babies to die of cancer. So then you break it down and you say this, if God is God, which I believe he is, then he would be perfect, he'd be holy, He'd be gracious, he'd be merciful, he'd be just, he would be uh, uh, all of these things. And the Bible says he's perfect, and in him there's no sin, okay? So if if that is true, if that's true, then let's look at what the world would be like if we pull him out of it. Because it's only because the hand of God is in this place that is crazy, that it's not complete chaos. It's only because his sovereign hand is here that it's not war and debauchery and killing and perversion. and just Because the heart of man is wicked unto itself. Apart from Jesus, left unto ourselves. But God's hand is sovereignly in here. You know what hell is? When God pulls his hand out of a place. There's no more love, forgiveness, kindness, goodness, all those things. That's hell. Ah, the burning fire. I, I don't know. Maybe there's fire or not. But I know this. There's no goodness. There's no redemption. There's no hope. You have another one? Where does the stuff that isn't good come from and why does God allow it? Well, it goes back to Genesis 3. When man fell. God had perfection set in a garden. And he said one thing. Just don't eat of that tree. You, You have everything you want. Just don't touch that tree. And that's a whole other theological debate on on free will and all that stuff that I'm not going to get into now. But he said, don't touch that tree. In human nature, what they do? They touch the tree. They grab the fruit. At that moment, perfection breaks down and falls. So at that moment, what comes into this world is death, disease, pain, murder, hatred, all those things. So where does stuff um, that isn't God come from? Fall of man, depravity of man. Why does God allow it? We made a choice. And, 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 and we disobeyed. And fallenness came. See, if, if with my kids, if I had to look at my kids and say, Hey, I need you to love me. And I demanded that they love me. Would it really be love? Get over here and love me. George, would that work? No. And God does the same with you and I. He's a gentleman. He doesn't grab us by the ear and you follow me, because I'm a good God. No, no, no. He says, You experience my goodness in the land of the living. You experience my love. You experience who I am and you'll fall in love with me. And there'll be relationship. Is there any more? that's it All right. as we get uh, music up here and we're gonna receive communion throw me one of those I didn't bring one up thank you communion is a, a holy time we receive if you're new we receive every week because the Bible says that when Jesus said when you come together he said do this in remembrance of me and uh it's a time where we can kind of align our lives with His. And we go to the cross. And we, we take those things that we need to repent for. And we allow the blood of Jesus to wash over them. And we pray and we ask. And we receive. It's a time of remembrance of His goodness. And said that on the night that Jesus betrayed, He took the bread. And he broke it. And He ate it. He said, this is my body. It was broken for you and he said he grabbed, he took the wine and said this represents my blood that was spilled for you that you may have life and he said when you drink this he said drink this in remembrance of me that I've done for you and they took the wine and drank Father I thank you for this time for your word God let us sit in difficult situations and our suffering let us press into you Father God that we may be holy as you are holy that we might bring hope to others that we might, Lord, uh, be a picture of Christ Jesus. And I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for this church blessing that, that it is. God, let us be a light in the midst of darkness. Jesus, precious.